Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and today we head to Mexico via Texas as we are joined by Luis Leaus of Club Tigres English, who is a Club Tigres fan. So, hey, Luis, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Sal, thanks for, for the invite. I'm really happy to be here and uh, talk about my club, which uh, I adore. Oh, man, I am so excited to finally have another League MX fan on and someone that is so passionate about their team as much as you are. You know, so let's start off. How did your love of, love of Tigres come about? Well, I don't know how familiar you are with the state of Nuevo León in Mexico, but in, in the state of Nuevo León, if you're from there, you really only have two choices in life. <laughs> you're either a Tigres fan or a Rayados fan. And so early on, you you pick and you decide which club you're going to go for. And uh, or very early on, I, I decided to be a Tigres fan and been one ever since. That's awesome. You know, the team was founded in 1960 and is relatively young in terms of footballing history, but have won Liga MX seven times, most recently in 2019. When a player comes to this side, is it expected that they are to win all the time? Yeah, um, obviously we didn't start out with the winning culture. You mentioned we were founded in 1960, but we really didn't make the top level until the, the mid-70s. And the team had a good start. We won Copa MX pretty much right off the bat, a year or two after we were uh, we we were promoted. And then we won two two cup title, two league titles in the late 70s, early 80s. And then we went on a really bad streak. So I don't know if you're aware of that history, but from 82 to 2011, we never won another league title. Whoa. We were relegated in 96. So we had in the 90s, which was when I was growing up watching, we had really bad teams. So the the culture has changed drastically since 2010. In 2010, we we got a new we got a new club president, uh, a new coach in Tuca Ferretti, which you're probably well aware of who he is. And uh, from there, it changed everything. The culture changed. It turned into a, into a winning culture. And now you, any t- anybody that comes in knows that, that those are the expectations. We want to win league titles. We want to win CONCACAF. We want to win it all. So that's the culture now. But it wasn't like that originally. So this kind of sounds like one of those things where you're growing up in the 90s. This team is all over the place. Now, friends and family that were fans of the rival club, were they constantly giving you uh, some crap about that? Absolutely. And they weren't uh, – they kind of had a similar situation as us where they didn't win a lot, but they started winning earlier. So in, in the early 2000s, they got really w- good and started winning a ton of titles. So by 2008, 2009, we were fed up with them because they were winning a ton, on Kakaf and everything, and we weren't winning anything. And so that that was a really bitter part of our, our history is having to put up with uh, a lot of the, you know, taunting and stuff like that that, that went on. Uh, but from 2010 on, we've been the better team in the city. I think we'll continue to be. That's awesome. Say hi to my cat here. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, there, there was a cat that jumped on screen. This is not in a video podcast. So it's, it's like, oh, hey, there, there actually was a cat that walked across the screen. Um, so for those that you are wondering what is going on, I'm not going to edit that out. I'm leaving that in because that's that's the first cat I've had on this podcast. Uh, He's always happy to be on. This is great. This is great. Uh, now, did you get a cat in, because Tiger is the tiger, you know, with all of that kind of I don't see no, the, the dog. This, this cat kind of sort of uh, he 
just showed up, so he was just adopted, you know. <laughs> yeah, we see how volatile Liga MX is in terms of each year. There's never a clear-cut favorite. It kind of makes for one of the more exciting leagues in the world. Two seasons ago when Atlas won, but you were not far from taking it this season. So how exciting has the title push been in the last season or two? By the time this podcast airs, there will be a winner declared. But for what what's it been like for you at least this season seeing Tigres perform and perform to an optimal level that while they might not be trophy favorites, they are they're close to it that maybe one or two pieces next season they could really make a push. I think that's one of the most uh, things that draw people to the league, even though there might not be Mexicans, uh, because everything that happens, you never know what's going to happen with this league. And and one thing about Tigres, for example, there's been so much drama this season. I don't know if you've kept up with it. No, well, uh, I've only kept example, up with it through what you've been doing, but let's get, let's run through a brief synopsis. Yeah, so let me just give you a quick rundown. So last season, at the end of the season, our coach, so this is all part of like, drama that goes on in the league our coach we got so we got pushed out we uh, we lost to uh atlas i believe no pachuca in semifinals so we didn't make the final and the expectation was we had to reach the final at least and coach goes up to the press press conference after the game and says hey this team's getting old <laughs> so everybody's up in arms and you know because he's one of those very controversial type coaches that just speaks his mind and so Jose he says, Mourinho of Mexico, if you will. <laughs> Very similar. And so he, he says, hey, this, this squad's old. And every, the fans just really, like, exploded. And we're like, what? You know, we've gotten all these players for you. And this is what, what you say. And so not long after, they fired the coach because of those, those statements. So he gets fired. We get a new coach in Diego Coca. I don't know if you're familiar with Diego Coca, but he's now the national team um, um oh, El Tri coach. So he was our coach for, for four weeks. He signed on with us. And then the national team called him and he goes and sign he goes and signs with El Tri with the national team. And so we get left with no coach. And just out of nowhere, one of the assistant coaches becomes interim head coach and now head coach. And so that's kind of been the, the season for us. It's been in turmoil. We've actually done quite well. We're we're fifth in the standings, fifth or sixth in the standings right now. So, considering all the drama that's gone on, all the changes and everything, we're doing fairly well. Um, we have a really strong squad. We're battling for the league, but we're also battling for Concacaf. We just eliminated Orlando, so there's you know there's still a ton of stuff up for grabs for us, even though we've had a ton of drama. Yo, but like, here's the thing. You guys are capitalizing on the drama. Unlike certain teams that have so much drama and fall by the wayside. Antonio Conte has left Tottenham or <laughs> or they've agreed to part ways on mutual, cons- you know, they've consciously uncoupled, if you will. Uh, but for similar statements that your previous coach had made, which was this team doesn't know how to win these players, you know, whatever. You see how much money was poured into Chelsea this past season, and Chelsea is currently 10th. They will probably be in 10th. Um, yeah, they've made a little progress in Champions League, of course, but Tigres have now managed in a very extremely difficult league to be still continue to be a top five club with so much promise. Does that give you now hope for the future? Absolutely. And I think the front office has done a fantastic job of bringing in young talent kind of rejuvenating the squad. 
this coaching staff that we have, initially people were kind of down on him, on Chima Ruiz, that's his name. Um, and, but he's done an exceptional job. He's, he's done a very good job of keeping everybody together. And so I think the, the squad is has the, ex, the mix of experience with young talent to make a good run on both tournaments. And I think that's what you, we'll end up seeing this year, this season. Sweet. You know, Tigres play in San Nicolas de los Garza. De los Garza. I hope I pronounced that right. I'm so sorry to the Mexican listening audience. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I need to con- continuously apologize. Uh, it's it's a city in Monterrey, the metropolitan region, uh, Nueva Leon. Now, can you tell us about the region and that area and where they play and what that what that region is like? Yeah, so Nuevo León is, is one of the northern states. It actually has a, a tiny, small portion that borders Texas. Um, and so Monterrey is the biggest city in, in Nuevo León. It's the capital of Nuevo León. And San Nicolás can be considered sort of like a suburb of, of oh, Monterrey. Okay. It's part of the, the metro area. It's its own little city, but it's... It's all just kind of lumped in with Monterrey. And the university, the main campus, is there in San Nicolás de los Garza. And wow. so uh, the, the, the team has very strong ties to the university. There's a lot of identity, you know, with the university, college students, and, and so forth. Um, and so, you know, Monterrey is a very prosperous city, very, very rich. Um, a lot of good food, uh, very passionate fans. One thing you'll you'll notice about Monterrey is that people are really really into the soccer. They yeah. they live they live the sport. You know they you, people you show up and you tell them you're from Nuevo León or you tell them you're from Monterrey. First thing they're gonna ask you is what team do you go for? Are you a Real or you're are you a Tigre? And so that kind of shows you what the culture is like in the city. When there's a clásico between Rayados and, and Tigres. The whole city kind of shuts down. Everybody's wearing their jerseys. There's just this awesome atmosphere, and so it's a it's a really cool place to be, uh, and and enjoy those kind of games. Now, what's that area like to visit? Because here's the other problem, like that I, I, I unfortunately have not actually been to Mexico, and this kind of sucks. And I'm really bummed by that. I want to make, I want to change that. Um, and Mexico City right now is like the hottest place to be. Yeah. Uh, you hear Tulum and you, and obviously Cancun is like the party place. And the misconception is, is that it's just resorts, which is clearly not the case. Mexico is so vast. It's so different. It's so beautiful. And it's so incredible. But what's, what's Monterrey like to visit and to just experience that culture? Like how, how would you get people to come visit there? Well, Monterrey is, is a huge city. It's a, you know, think about, maybe if you if you're familiar with texas like houston for example it's about yeah, that size okay. like so it's a it's a big city so there's everything you can do in a big city you can do in monterrey but in addition to to that you have mountains which is you got beautiful mountains surrounding the city and so there's a lot of outdoor activities you can do you can do hiking if you're into uh, mountain climbing things like that there's plenty of stuff like that to do there's plenty of rivers plenty of outdoor activities you can do I mentioned the food already. The food's fantastic. So, so let's go into that. What's the food of that region? Because again, like the misconception is, is that like, look, me being Italian, it's, it's a, Hey, it's pizza and pasta. And then, well, <laughs> well, we got a little more than that, you know? So it, it, you know, let, let's, let's look at the food there. Like, so explain to me, like what would be a meal in Monterrey? Well, like in all of Mexico, you're obviously going to have your, your tacos, right? But as you know, tacos are like, can be anything, you know, you can have all kinds of, uh, 
different kinds of tacos. And in Monterrey, you have your carne asada. So people really love meat in Monterrey and Oleon. Uh, so if you're if you're a vegetarian, that might not be your <laughs> your spot. People really really eat a lot of beef. Uh, and so, you, you know, you have barbacoa, you've got steak tacos. Uh, in addition to that, there's a, a community that does like uh, cabrito, which is goat. Oh, okay. So there's there's that as well. And so a lot of the food revolves around meat, uh, goat, lamb, and beef. Those are your main ones, but there's really, really good foods derived from those, from that. So really good dishes like asado de puerco. Uh, so as far as food, there's very good food in Monterrey. I'm very excited. I like all of this. This is all, this is all getting me, I'm going to branch out. We're going to make Monterrey now the new place to go visit, uh, which I don't know for better, or for worse, you can, you know, you can complain, you can complain and compliment me afterwards, but you know, when it, you said that how close the city is and the region is to Texas, where you are now, when it comes to watching Leon, uh, when it comes to watching uh, Tigres in Texas, what is it like? And uh, there are a number of fans where you currently are. Yeah, so San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, Austin, huge communities of Tigres fans. Wow. So, for example, you mentioned that that you kind of keep up with America, which America yeah. is, is, is probably the biggest club in Mexico as far as uh, supporters. And when they come to Texas – it's almost split 50-50. So you can go to Houston, for example, to the Houston Dynamo Stadium, and the attendance there might be like 60% America and 40% Tigres. That's how that's how strong the, the fan base is here in Texas. A ton of fans. You know, you might go to other states, for example, and you don't see as many Tigres fans, but Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, Austin, and and the the Valley, the Texas Valley, which is McAllen, Texas, that area, a ton of Tigres fans. You, you'll see a lot of them. That's awesome. Because in New York, I mean, when I walk the streets, all I really see is the America jerseys, Pachuca, and on occasion, Charlie. And we touched upon it in the pre-interview earlier that Liga MX has the most underrated jerseys, kits, I guess, you know, you would say, uh, in in all of club football, in the entire world. And they have been like this for about a more than a decade. Some of my favorite kits, especially in recent years, have come from this beautiful league. And now, like, they're being displayed as, you know, very high, cool, like, fashion accessories here in the city. But it's something that, and you've got a gorgeous throwback Tigres jersey on right now. But it's something that, it's a cool advertisement. But when other clubs do it in other leagues, it's it's a big announcement. But for some reason, it doesn't seem to hit the same way in the American market the way other leagues do it when they release like their special jerseys and we talked about earlier, even, you know, that, that Charlie Jersey with the newspaper print is awesome. And you had even mentioned a star. There was the team with the star Wars kit. So like, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. The, it, it's unfortunate what you're, you're mentioning, how they don't market it enough uh, North of the border. Uh, if you, if you, for example, were to do a YouTube search of the top 50 kits of all time, there would probably be a handful of, Liga MX kits in there. Right. You've got the kits from the mid-90s of America, some beautiful patterns here on the shoulder area. Uh, Tigres in, in the late 90s had some with the sort of like the, the tiger stripes here on the edge. You know, a lot of people do, who don't even support the club remember those kits. Um, you got the Club World Cup kit from Tigres that had the 
sort of like the blue area here with uh, the Semex logo in the center. There's a lot of really awesome kits uh, and they don't do a very good job of marketing, um, which I think it's unfortunate. And not only because for financial reasons, I think it's important, but I think like you mentioned for brand recognition, you know, you want people to wear your jerseys and say, hey, that's Stigatis or that's America or that's Chivas, you know, because that, that kind of helps grow your fan base a little bit. And I, I think lately Tigres has kind of done a little bit of a better job sort of reaching out to a few NBA players. For right. example, you had Juan Toscano from the Golden State Warriors who who wore around a, I think it was a 2020-2021 Tigres jersey. And that kind of helps draw attention. But it's something that they just barely started doing. And I wish if they would have started a lot earlier, I think these brands would have you know jumped up a ton more. It's true, but it's also better late than never. You know, I bring up the jerseys now because I saw the social media push that happened about three years ago. It started when Venezia uh, started un unveiling their kits. The entire world went gaga for them. And Venezia, if you follow City or any of the Italian league, kind of suck. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I, I mean, look, I have no issue saying that. Like, they're, they're pretty bad. Their fans will also even tell you, yeah, we're, you know, we're pretty bad. Uh, but... You know, I go last summer walking around like hipster sections of Brooklyn, New York, and I'm just seeing waves of every uh, variant of that Venezia jersey going, they did it. They did the, yep. the impossible. And now every team has got like 50 jerseys. Napoli, where uh, Chucky Lonzano's playing, has got like a gajillion jerseys and Napoli's doing great. But you see them rolling around like every variant I will see walking around which is kind of incredible. But again, I go back to Liga MX has got the most eye candy, catching, beautiful, fun, funky jerseys. And they pair really well with a pair of Jordans. So I'm surprised more <laughs> NBA players aren't wearing them yet. Um, but so like, does that, do you feel like there's hope for like now the marketing push can happen a little bit further? I can't speak for uh, other teams, but as far as Tigres is concerned, I feel like they're, starting to understand the importance of doing things like that. Um, for example, last year, they released for the, the, the women's team, they released a special edition jersey for the women's team, which I thought was fantastic. Awesome. Uh, and so I think they're starting to kind of realize, okay, we need to put out special stuff for the fans. And they started, I think, I don't know if it was like a test or something, but they started with the women's team and it was a huge success. And so then they followed it up. So now there's been three three more jerseys that have been released that has special kind of sort of special edition, and a lot of fans just flock to it. So you asked if, if I'm hopeful. I think I think uh, at least on the Tigres end, I think you start to see it a lot more. Especially How does that make you feel though that like your team could actually be the ones holding the baton and carrying it further down than all the others? Well, as a kit nerd, it makes me super excited. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've seen, but I've got about 150 oh. jerseys in my closet. Oh, I've seen. I'm because just, every I'm time my wife fan. says, like, you got too many, I say, well, no, look. Look who I'm interviewing this week. Yeah, no, I mean, it just it, – it, it, I'm, I'm super excited because it, it just – for example, last year, think it is, and this is little little details, but when you're a kit nerd, you love it. They they had the, their third kits all black with with yellow you know spot little areas where it's got oh. yellow touches of yellow, but they partnered up with uh, Warner, and oh. they put the red Batman patches on the on the sleeves, which was awesome. 
Oh, and so I just, cool. I was like, man, I got to get that. <laughs> and so I went out and got a, a Gignac match-worn Batman jersey. And I was oh, like wow. super excited. So things like that is what I'm telling you. I think the club understands, okay, we need to start doing things like this because there's people that might not even watch football, but they're all into kits. You know, they're all into jerseys. And so they're like, yeah, I'll snatch that up. That's awesome. Hell so, yeah. you know, it's, I think it's just, it's exciting. I think it's stuff that they're going to continue to do. For sure, for sure. You know, Texas has a heavy Mexican population. And Liga MX, you know, we know is a beautiful league that oddly really is only big with Mexicans and Mexican-Americans in the United States. So how can this league branch out? And why isn't it the biggest soccer league in North America? We see a billion-dollar deal that goes through with MLS and and apple but i don't know i watch both leagues and this is no disrespect to mls the mx is way more exciting and it's and it's also super violent and incredibly like intense so it's just like i don't know it touches on everything that i want to do in terms of entertainment um not that i'm not that i'm like you know advocating violence here i'm not but it's (laughs) but it's super intense but you see that like every minute of every game matters for both teams for for both sets of fans in whatever stadium they're in so it's sort of to me a no-brainer like let's why isn't this the biggest league in north america across 50 states canada like it's it's got everything that you want yeah and I think the Federation, it's, it's sort of the same thing as with the jerseys where they didn't market enough. But I think lately the Federation's understanding how much potential there is north of the border. Yeah. And, for example, Tigres now does at least three or four fr- friendlies a year wow. north of the border. So they'll do three or four here in Texas. They might do one or two in, in California. And I think that's important. I th- having more friendlies... Ideally, more friendlies against like MLS teams or, or other teams from abroad would be fantastic. Sort of like the way, you know, Spanish and, you know, Premier League teams might do a friendly here. I right. think they, they need to start incorporating that. And I think that'll help a ton, especially in big city. Imagine being able to watch a friendly Tigres versus uh, Bayern Munich, for example, in New York City or Tigres yeah. versus Bayern in, in Dallas you know, where the Cowboys play. I mean, that to me, that's that sort of stuff is the stuff that they need to continue doing and then creating good fan experiences around that as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember about a decade, man, what year, 2023? So this is probably 2011, so 12 years ago, I saw Juventus play America at City Field where the Mets play. Place was jammed and it was like, Every New York Italian there, even if you didn't, I don't support Juventus, but like it was like there. And then every Mexican-American living in New York also was the other half of that stadium. And it felt like a World Cup final. That place was the atmosphere. I sadly have not seen a game anywhere in Europe. I've been to stadiums, um, but it from what people have described to me that it felt like what it's like to be in Europe between both sets of, you know, cultures, not even clashing. It was just super fun and just and intoxicating. So I think that, and that to me is like, I agree. Like as, as I know a lot of people roll their eyes at those friendlies, it's a phenomenal marketing tool because when are you ever going to get a chance to see teams like that again? And I'll go, even if the price is right, like even if they're not teams I support, but 
Yeah, another another thing I've been wanting Tigres to do is with as many fans as there are in Houston, for example, is opening up a Tigres store. Oh, yeah. Like an actual retail store where you can go in and get jerseys, anything you want from the team, you can get there. Stuff like this, you know, hanging in my wall. Um, things like that, it would be awesome. And then having players come out, for example, every couple months and signing jerseys. And, you know, how awesome would that be? You know, creating a little experience, making the fans here feel connected to to what's going on in Monterrey. Absolutely. Now, how far is it from where you are to Monterrey? So I'm in Austin, which is central Texas, and I'm about probably, you know, by the time you you make pit stops and everything, it's probably about an eight-hour drive. Damn. So do you go often for games or do not as much? No, not, not as much. I used to go every couple months. Wow. But as busy as I am now, I don't. So now what I do is every friendly they come to the state, I try to attend. Nice. So I've been, you know, I've been to Houston. I've been to San Antonio. They played Austin FC here about a year and a half ago or something like that. Came and watched them here. So stuff like that. I, I wanted to go to Orlando really bad, but I couldn't make it. But a ton of fans made it out there. I think there was like three or 4,000 fans that made it to, to their stadium. So, you know, the, some fans travel really well. Tigres fans will travel if if it's an exciting game. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Tigres needs to make some friendlies against big-time teams. Like, like for example, Juventus. How awesome would it be? Tigres versus Juventus or, you know, Tigres versus Real Madrid or Barcelona. I mean, that would just be epic. It would be epic. And it's something that, like, people will mark on, as you said, people will travel, especially here in America, like, where – Sure, we don't have the railroad system the way they do in Europe or even in South America or in Mexico, but people will fly. They'll get on a plane and they'll go just to see that team. For you, though, like what is what's it like now seeing Texas become oddly a soccer state? You mentioned Austin FC and Dallas, of course, has been there for a while. Houston Dynamo. Um, What's that been like seeing the new Texas triangle, which was always a basketball term, now is a soccer term. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and it's also incredible. I think if you would have asked me 15 years ago or 20 years ago, I would have been like, no, this is a football state. But it's amazing how the culture has shifted. Yeah. There's a ton of people. Like I, I live about seven minutes away from the Austin FC Stadium. Oh, nice. And so I see how people flock to the – People really are into the team. You know, they really love it and they really enjoy it. And so it's amazing how how much things have changed here in Texas and how people really enjoy their soccer, you know, their football. And I, I hope it continues, man. I mean, it's just amazing to see Houston fans, San Antonio fans, Dallas fans, everybody get up for these kind of games. Yeah, for sure. So when obviously like Liga MX is attracts players from around the world, We've seen Kuskehan uh, at one point played there. Danny Alves before there were some terrible things that happened to Danny Alves was playing there. Um, so it's there, but it's it's uh, it's attract Fernando Torres. Uh, it's attracting players and still attracts players from all around the world. But now, do you see MLS as a destination for fringe players from Liga MX because of its close proximity? And now, could it can Liga MX financially compete? with clubs offering salaries in MLS. Absolutely. And you're starting to see more and more of it. For example, look at Tigres history. In their entire history before 2019, there had only been one D 
Tigres player ever go to the MLS. I don't oh, know who. Wow. I don't know if you know who that is, but it's it was uh, Tab Ramos. Oh, Tab wow. Ramos was, played at Tigres before he played in the MLS. But oh, that was wow. the only time in its entire history that that happened. But now, in the last two years, we've had two players go from Tigres to the MLS. We had Jurgen Dam go to the Atlanta United, and then we had Juan Purata, who's a central back, center back, go to Atlanta United. And you're starting to see more of that now. A lot of times, players that don't feel like they're getting a good opportunity in Mexico will flock over to the MLS, and they're good, good players. It's just sometimes they're, you know, the squads are too deep. For example, Tigres, sometimes you might be third right. in, the, in the chart, and you're an excellent player, but you have to go, go somewhere else to find it. So I think MLS is going to start to take a lot of that talent from Mexico and, and use that, it you know, wisely. Now, do you think that that will only strengthen those players when it comes to maybe national team selection? I don't see – if you anybody you talk to that's played both leagues, MLS and Liga MX, will tell you both leagues are, are about on par. Wow. Competitive-wise. Okay. I mean, obviously, there's teams in, in Liga MX that are the top teams, let's say, that are a little bit stronger than some in, in MLS. But top to bottom, if you compare them, the levels are right there. So I don't think it's going to hurt anybody to go from Liga MX and play in MLS and then hurt their chances of playing anywhere else. Okay. I mean, you saw it with uh, Julian Araujo from LA Galaxy. Right. You know, making that move to Barca. Right, So, the, right. you know... It, it, MLS, a lot of people, even a lot of Liga MX fans will treat it like, like it's still 1997. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it's not, it's changed a ton. And I mean, you mentioned the Apple TV deal. I mean, I, I watched them on Apple TV and they're very competitive teams. Right. And, okay. I, and I think like Liga MX understands how much MLS has risen. And I think they're starting to make partnerships there because they know that they can grow together. And honestly, that's what I see in the future is both leagues sort of rising together and being very competitive against, you know, Brazilian teams from Brazil, right. teams from, from Europe. I think, you know, five, ten years down the road, you could see some really big-time teams here that could battle anybody from overseas. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because it's – I've been seeing, obviously, more and more as you as the years have gone on, how the caliber, obviously, as you discussed in MLS – has completely risen. It's completely different than, as you said, from 1997. But some of those teams, yeah, they could theoretically compete with some of the top tier Brazilian teams. But, you know, the Mexican sides have always been able to do that. But now for the first time in my life as a Italian football fan, for the I've seen multiple players leave Mexico to go play in Serie A. And I use Serie A as an anchor for this podcast because it's the league I watch the most. Pri you know, prior to uh Lonzano and now uh my boy Guillermo Ochoa uh being at uh Salernitania it was really just Rafa Marquez was the only I think he was the first and only Mexican to ever play in Italy so now knowing that the borders are sort of opening up to other agents where they're getting this idea that we can sign players from Mexico and have them play here does that philosophy still carry over for you that like if they were to go to MLS, they'll get better playing time or maybe more playing time in Europe and it'll only help the impact for the national team later on or if they decide to come back to Mexico and retire or play again if it doesn't work out in Italy or Spain, Portugal, wherever they are. Yeah, as far as like national team is concerned, 
my my opinion has always been if you have the level to play abroad overseas go do it right because it's only going to make you better as a player the only issue i have is players that go and then ride the bench the entire time i i feel like that hurts a lot of people a lot of people feel like oh okay well if i go play for ac milan or i go play for napoli but if you never play no matter what you're not going to get better over there Right. And there's people that believe like, oh, you just got to go and you're just magically going to get better. I don't believe that that happens. You, <laughs> you have to go over there and compete for a starting role. Otherwise, it's no good. Right. Otherwise, it doesn't benefit the player individually. And it definitely doesn't benefit the national team. I mean, sure. for every Chucky Lozano and Memo Choa and Raul um, Jimenez that goes over there, yeah, yeah, we right. send about five to 10 players that just ride the bench the entire time. Guys like Diego Lainez, who actually came back to Tigres, he spent most of his time riding the bench in Europe. So, right. so I feel like that players like that get hurt sometimes by going abroad. Okay. All right. That's an interesting look at it because you're always kind of told or, you know, the experts always say, well, just go abroad. Even if you are just sitting on the bench, there's so many great players around you. You'll absorb that knowledge like a sponge. So, yeah, but this isn't like, you know, a college level class where it's like, <laughs> yo, let me just listen to the professor and I'll absorb all of life's lessons. It's you, as you said, you have to go out there and you got to play and prove it. Uh, so that's an interesting philosophy. I never actually looked at it that way, as you said, but yeah, you're hundred percent right. And it's so logical too. And I'm like, I've never looked at it that way. Cause you're always heard like, Go to a better team. Even if you're sitting at a bench at Barca, it's still the bench at Barca. Well, yeah, if you're not playing, then, you know. And I, it could it could potentially hurt you more than <laughs> right. help you. Uh, where, you know, whereas if you might be playing in, for example, starting in America, you're right. facing stiff competition every day. I feel like a lot, of, a lot of those comments stem from people who minimize the league a lot. They say, oh, oh Liga it's... MX, you know, it's, it, it's, it's Bush League. It's no good. It's right, right. whatever, you know. But same thing with them. I think MLS gets the same kind of bad rep where ah, it's not a very good league. You know, even if you're starting in a team, it really doesn't, you know, it's not that enticing, whatever. It doesn't do anything for your reputation. But to me, a lot of those people, I, I feel like are wrong. There is a lot of competitive teams in both leagues. And, and to me, if you're, in, if you're in one of the top elite teams in the league, like, for example, LAFC. Right. Right. If you're starting at LAFC, you've got you're very talented, you know, and if you leave LAFC because you want to go start at Real Madrid and you just ride the whole the bench the whole time, that that hurts you. Whereas if you just continually played at LAFC, I think you would be better off. Right, so I think right. a lot of times it's because people don't value the league. That's that's a that's a great way to look at it, you know. And you, as you were talking about LAFC, I kept thinking about. Tata Martino's first season with Atlanta, that Atlanta United team. And I talk about them a lot whenever I break, whenever MLS gets brought up, because I've never seen an MLS team that played like that. And I still have yet to see an MLS team that plays like that. LAFC comes close, but that Atlanta team pound for pound, were probably one of the best run teams in the world in all of club football and that first year. But now Almadion had gone and left and went to Newcastle. Now you're seeing the fruits of his labor finally because he was sitting on a bench for way too long and now is playing and is actually the player that, you know, they bought three years ago and expected to play. But it's, it's, you're right though. It's like, if people actually are paying attention, you will see 
this brutal intensity that yeah there are some really great teams it may not happen all the time but when it does happen it's something special do you find that way that to be the case as well yeah and i think we'll get to a point where we won't feel like all the european teams are vastly superior to right. to mls and, and league mx i honestly feel like 15 years down the road possibly the four elite teams in MLS and the four elite teams in Liga MX could battle any team in the world. Like, mm-hmm. I honestly feel feel like most leagues are going that way, where you have three or four teams that are just absolutely phenomenal in every league, and they could battle with each other. And and the bottom teams, are, unfortunately, will suffer. Well, I mean, look at, like, for example, Germany. Right, right. You right. know, you got Bayern that's just extremely elite. But if you look at the bottom teams, honestly, I feel like the top Liga MX teams could go and battle <laughs> a bottom of the standings uh, Germany Bundesliga team, you know? For sure. Yeah, I agree. Look, that, that's definitely that's definitely a fair assessment as well. It's it's even like even throughout, I kind of wish there would be like a um, Western Hemisphere Conference Cup, like almost like a Champions League, because I would love to see, I've got a Boca Junior jerseys on because it's the closest thing I had to the Tigres colors. Um, but I would love to see Boca and Tigres play. I would love to see Sao Paulo and America play. Like that, to me, that, it's or a, even like Atlanta, play, you know. What do you think about that? Oh, oh, that would be amazing, completely. I mean, you're mentioning it right now, and like, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> I mean, how, I mean, just look at all the iconic teams that would be there, you know, you, you got teams like Boca Juniors and River Plate and Corinthians and Sao Paulo and Flamengo and Palmeiras and Colo Colo and, you know, like, yeah. all those iconic teams against big-time teams in Mexico like Tigres and America and Rayados and teams like LAFC and, you know, yeah, Sporting Kansas City, yeah, that would just be a dream come true. I would love something like that. I, I To me, it's just like, it's just money sitting on the table, guys. Like, why is no one... I, Luis, I think I think we have our new business venture. I think we're gonna do. A couple uh, I mean, look, at, look at when <laughs> the last time Liga MX got invited to Libertadores was 2015, and look at how awesome those games were. Yes, that was. And actually, I, I bet yes. you, if you look at the ratings, if you look at the TV ratings in Mexico for those games, they were probably through the roof. Because so, I mean, who wouldn't want to watch like America Boca Juniors in 100%. a semifinal or in a final? You know. Oh, absolutely. Funny enough is that you mentioned that, and that was my first, and I know this sounds like kind of novel because it's not even 10 years at this point, but that was my first foray into Libertadores. I had a friend of mine who was texting me. He's like, dude, are you watching this tournament? And I'm like, "Uh, oh, and I think BN had it, or I had one of the channels that had it broadcast, the broadcast rights. I was like, oh, let me watch this. And Oh my god, that was some of the best football I've ever seen in my life. Like that that one year. Great football and amazing fans. Yes. I mean, yes. how how hype do the fans in La Bombonera or the Monumental and River River play get? I mean, it's just nuts. It's, it's just nuts. amazing. But and then to like but then, like, let's do that. But as you said, you mentioned earlier the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, or even here, like, yes, um the uh the one of the teams plays in a baseball field in New York and the other plays in their own stadium. But like we can, you know, how, like actual stadiums could like be really packed out up here. I, I also want to come to Dallas just to see that Cowboy Stadium because it looks 
I don't watch football, American football, but that looks to me like one of the coolest places on planet yeah. Earth. Is it? Oh yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, they <laughs> threw they threw a ton of money in it. I mean, it's just the whole fan experience is is amazing. They I gotta go. They yeah. make it so you want to be there. You know, huge <sighs> screen. I mean, everything is just it's just all made for for people to really enjoy themselves when they go. Absolutely. Uh, and you know what else is kind of incredible too? Not to get when I, we're going to keep this momentum going, but we're going to change the topic ever so slightly. Because one thing I really got to applaud Liga MX for is, is that their massive push for the feminine, the women's league, which you follow as for Tigris as well. How important is that push for women's sports in Mexico to see that finally happening? It is one of the things that makes me really, really proud, man. I mean, when I talk about it, like it just it, it makes me feel really proud. I feel like, especially with Tigres, I mean, what what they've invested into the squad has just been amazing. Mm-hmm. The support they put behind the players, behind the coaches, um, it's just been phenomenal. To me, I've 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 said it either on Twitter or on the podcast. I've been, I feel like. Tigres is not a big club or one of the traditional grandes, you know, that they call in Mexico, one of the big ones. They're not America Chivas, but I've always felt Tigres Femenil is going to turn us into a big, into a big time club. And, and it's because the front office, the club president, they've gone all in on it, mm-hmm. like just full support, not, not only financial, but in every other aspect of it. Uh, and Honestly, I feel like Tigres Femenil, the women's team, one day will be up there with the Real Madrid's, the Chelsea's, the big time names in, in women's soccer. Like, come back, come back to me in about five years. I will. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just, it's that kind of level. And the fans have gotten behind them. It's just been phenomenal. Uh, the interactions in social media, everything's there. Uh, Last weekend, they had the Clásico, which is Tigres against Rayadas, which is, you know, the, the Derby, which is a big-time matchup. 30,000 fans in the stadium, man. Wow. I mean, it's just amazing, you know? Amazing. And I think it'll just continue to grow. I tweeted out that I think in a couple of years, it's probably going to be in the 40, 40K range. Yeah. And, and to me, that's just, I mean, I love to see that, man. I mean, I think it's just awesome. Oh, absolutely. So do I. And it's one of those things where for all the things that we were talking about earlier about why isn't the MX bigger and in, in north of the border, it should be uh, loved around the world or at least in, in uh, North America. It What League MX is doing with the Women's League, I feel, is they're the one league that's actually doing it right. More than more than you can even say Premier League women's side more than you can say even here, the NWSL in America, uh, definitely way better than what's going on in Italy. Um, that's for sure. I think the only other country that is doing it as well as Liga MX at the moment is in Spain. Uh, because the El Clasico against the women's side brought out El Clasico men's side numbers to those stadiums this season, which is unbelievable to see. So if when people say, like, no one cares about women's sports, well, that's kind of bullshit. It's the big, biggest slide ever, man. Exactly. Ever. So now, again, as we talked about with the jerseys with 
uh, Tigres, this is something so much more important, not to diminish that the fashion, of course, is important, but the right for women to play and be treated equally in this beautiful sport that we love. And again, your team is at the forefront of that. How does that make you feel? Yeah. It make it, it it makes me super excited for the future, super proud of what what the league's doing, and then especially my club, what they're doing with it. Um, in a lot of ways, they've surpassed uh, the men's side as far as what they're doing on social media. If you look at the the Twitter account for the women's team for Tigres, the stuff they put out is amazing, man. I mean, the the video, the vlogs that they're putting out, everything is just really, really well done. That tells me that there's a lot of interest in making sure things are done correctly, uh, that the players are happy. And, you know, you mentioned that a lot of people say, oh, nobody watches. That's not true. I mean, just look at Tigres, how much support the, the fans are getting. With, you know, very uh, – a squad that's still in its infancy. <laughs> I right, mean, right, right, right. So, so the, the men's team has been around since 1960. This team's only been around, you know. A few years, so it's in its infancy, and it's going to just explode. Now, I want to play fantasy football for a minute. The men's side spreads <laughs> off against the women's side. Who wins? Bro, um, <laughs> the, the, the thing I really love about the, the women's side is that they bring so much passion into, into the game. I don't, I don't want to say that the men's side has gotten stale, but... There's like a, a certain clinical aspect about it, like a like a clean room kind of environment to it, <laughs> where I don't know how to explain it. This is really, really tough to explain. But when you watch women's soccer, I feel like you're watching how it's supposed to be. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's a great see, one. Yes. One thing, one thing I really admire, for example, is the gamemanship. Like if if a woman gets hit, like in Tigres Femenil, and she goes down, if she's able to get up, gets up right away. No flopping around, no acting like it's a broken leg or, you know what I'm saying? Stuff yeah. like that that really, they get up. And when they don't get up, you know, that's serious. Right. You yeah. know? And there's just this tremendous uh, passion, tremendous desire to, to win that sometimes I don't see that on the men's side. Oops, sorry. It's all good. Luis got so excited the camera fell. Oh, uh, which which is true. I mean, but it, but no, but you're right. It is football in its purest form, and I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that the women have the freedom to play football in its purest form. They don't have to worry about branding. They don't have to worry about upsetting Adidas or whatever. Or you go out, they play, they play cutthroat football and again it's just it's the game in its in its most purest form on a on a big budget level or as big of a budget as sadly the women will get because they deserve more money but exactly you know it's it's yeah if, if you're a football purist or a fan that's that's really where to, how to, where to look now late less wasted time yeah a lot more it feels it feels like hockey sometimes we know how with hockey action never stops just, yeah. you know back and forth but that's how it feels a lot of times like i was watching the classical 
And I never got from the moment it started to the time it ended. I don't, I don't, I never felt like I got a breather where I was like, okay, let me relax. This is like <laughs> slow part of the game. Right. It just kept going. It was amazing. You know, super entertaining. That's awesome. And that's also what you want to, you want to be entertained. So your entertainment and your love for this club started club Tigres English, the Twitter account that gives news on your club in English. What made you want to start that? And why was it so important for you to start that? So I started out just like everybody else on Twitter um, with a personal account, but I realized like about a year or two into it that 98% of what I was putting out was all about Tigres. <laughs> and out of that 98% all being Tigres, half of it was in English. And I was like, well, if I'm tweeting in English, there's got to be other people who are very interested in, in what's going on with the club in English. And so I was like, I don't know why my club's not doing it. I don't know why they're not paying attention to people in north of the border and from abroad. And I said, but I need to do it because, awesome. you know, the team's amazing. And I want to, I want people to know that it's an amazing team, that it's an amazing fan base. And I, I just wanted to get the message out. You know, that was, that was really all I wanted to do. I always said, if I could do it and there's only one or two people listening, then I'm going to continue doing it. Only the only goals I set for myself were I was going to do it consistently. I wasn't going to start and then stop. And then I said that I'll never let it feel like a job. You know, right. it's purely for fun. And so I've had a ton of fun along the way. I mean, it's just been really exciting to watch the community grow. I mean, I started out and then about a year or two later, a guy named Dan Price started an account called Tigres Nation. And he grew his little brand. He's moved on to something else since. But since then, we've had Lau Times, mm -hmm. a guy out of Houston. Uh, a guy out of Dallas has an account called Double L Nation. There's a guy in Laredo, Texas that has an account called Tigres Tactics. There's a guy in the UK that has an account called Tigres Talk. So the, no. the, the community is growing. And initially, all I wanted to do was just you know, put the word out about the club in English. And all I wanted was make a good, favorable impression on people. I always said, I'm going to keep it very respectful. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a nice person. I'll never get into arguments. And I can't, you know, I can't say I've never violated that rule, but uh, <laughs> Look, I've always tried to be a positive, positive account out there. Well, I, I thank you for doing it because it helped me tremendously and it has helped me tremendously. And all of these wonderful things that you've said about yourself is how all the wonderful things I will say right back at you, because that's how I found out about you and found you. And we started following each other. And it's, it's something that has made me understand the team and the league more. Cause again, as football fans, we sort of, we think we know. It's sort of like, remember the show The Real World on MTV back in the day? It's like, yeah. oh, we're going to put seven strangers. You think they know, but they don't. It's, I don't know whatever the tagline was. Uh, so people start getting polite and start acting real. Um, or you think you know, but you have no idea. That's sort of what it's like when I'm kind of doing deeper dives into leagues that I pay attention to from afar. And League MX has been one of them. And your account and the podcast has just been not only super fun and engaging, but also 
a tremendous, tremendous learning tool for me. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's uh, it's allowed me to also meet a lot of people from different parts. We were talking about Libertadores earlier. Yeah. And out of nowhere, when we made the Club World Cup, there was a couple of Brits that were that did a podcast on South America on Libertadores, and they invited me on. I got to meet them, and I've had a chance to kind of meet all kinds of people. When we faced uh, Olsen Hyundai in the in the Club World Cup, got to meet people from South Korea. So it's wow. kind of opened up the door to all these different little communities that. Like you said, maybe we would have not gotten to know them, you know. Right. I think it's um, it gets a group of people, of like-minded people together, people who are interested in the sport but also are friendly, they're nice, mm -hmm. you know, open-minded. So I think um, it's been a good adventure. I think I've, I've really it's something I've really enjoyed. Well, Luis, Tigres is lucky to have you as a fan, to be a wonderful global <laughs> ambassador. Seriously, no, but they, they to be a wonderful global ambassador. But also, again, put an eye on your culture and make, because like we see oftentimes so many like terrible, everybody loves terrible headlines. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's sort of been this bizarre common theme as I record this season that like terrible headlines make a thing. But there's so much more to Mexico than tacos and cartels that there's so there are beautiful yep. people and there are so many beautiful things and if we can just find use use football as a basis for that and then build from there and there are so many wonderful people just like you so thank you so much for doing this where can people find out about your account and how could they follow you along i'm on twitter and my twitter handle is at tigres underscore english now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from ModCup.com. Mod Cup. Drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. And before I let you go, well, this is the best part of the podcast, my favorite part. I'm going to ask you three rapid-fire questions. That oh. oh, yeah. Oh, this was These, wasn't are, tough. Over These are tough. I know they are. Yeah, this wasn't, this wasn't, this wasn't over, pal. Um, so, question one. If you can bring back one retired player to your club, a former Tigres player who is alive or dead, who would it be and why? See, that's a really tough question. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's tough because we, we've got – several legends that are amazing right now i would bring back lucas lobos okay. uh, argentinian that played for us uh, i don't know if you remember him but he played for us from about 2008 to 2013 and he was just an amazing footballer okay tigres has more money than psg more money in manchester city in this lovely game that we're playing now they've got they make more money than ronaldo does uh, by the time this podcast ends. If you could sign one player today from anywhere in the world, who would it be and why? Any active player. Uh, because we're lacking in the left winger position, I'm going to have to go with Vinicius Jr. from Real Madrid. Ooh, okay, all right, all right. And finally, what has been your favorite moment as a fan of this team? Ooh, there's so many. Uh I got to be in the supporter section, which is Libres y Locos, in the 2003-2004 final. Oh. 
and that's been that was an amazing experience man i i jumped and and screamed until my throat went out uh it was just amazing we we lost that final but it was an amazing experience so that december of uh 2003 wow all right all right. I love the fact that even in defeat, it was still a tremendously beautiful experience for you. Yep. Ah, oh, Luis, this is awesome, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on. Now I will let you go. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank man. you, Sal. I appreciate the invite, man. It was great meeting you, by the way. Same, same. Likewise, man. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.